You're tuning in to another episode of Wildlife Wonders Podcast. Sit back and relax, because today we're going to learn animal facts. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Wildlife Wonders Podcast. I am your host, the one and only Siriana. Thank you for coming back again to listen to me talk about another animal. Um, I hope everybody had a really good holiday. Um, We did skip last week, but we're back. We're back on full schedule every Friday like usual. You can expect us to go back through the list again. So we started off the podcast with mammals, and we're going to go back to mammals because we went through all the classes already in the previous episodes. So without further ado, we're going to get right into it. This week, we are going to talk about a cat. But what type of cat? A ferocious cat. But what type of ferocious cat? We are going to talk about the black-footed cat. If you look up a picture of the black-footed cat, it is very small. It is cute, some would say. But it is one of the deadliest cats out there. So let's get right into it. The black-footed cat, the scientific family or genus and species name is the Felis Negrips, Negrips, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, but Felis Negrips, or they sometimes call it Felinae, they are cats, um, the sm- Africa's smallest wildcat, mind you, like I said, they're really small, they're really cute, they look like house cats almost, but they're deadly. Um, they are the smallest species of wildcat in Africa, and on average, they're around 2.4 to 4.2 pounds when fully grown. They're really itty bitty. Um, they're your average house cats can sometimes be bigger than that. So that just put it in perspective. Females are smaller than males. Um, we called this in the past, I don't know if you remember, but we called this sexual dimorphism where there's differences between the males and the females in the species. So there is sexual dimorphism. As far as their head and their body, they're around 14 to 17 inches long and again females are usually smaller so the tails around six to eight inches these are around average for i'm guessing males um expect a little bit smaller cut down an inch or a couple centimeters for your females around eight to ten inches tall really itty bitty probably could hold in your hand kind of cats if they allow it now they're small They are black-footed cats, and we're going to go into why they're called black-footed cats. So on their paw, on the underside of their paw pads, they're black. That is why the name, black-footed, their paw pads on their, technically their feet, are black. Ding! And the skin on these cats are different from other wild cats because their skin is pink underneath their fur. But they are, they're like a coloration mix of spots and they're dark and a little brown and a little cream kind of like rings in a way on their legs and the tails and the necks all have these like rings and circles on them and they're heavy spots and like I said brown black a little bit of white um like a creamish color a mix of all that together it was really pretty they're really pretty cats so and they have really big eyes so As humans, we're already fascinated by stuff with big eyes, but to have something so itty-bitty, small, but with huge eyes just makes it even cuter. But it's kind of ironic because they're so cute, but they have such a high kill rate, but we'll go over that later. 
they are usually up to 13 years in captivity. They can live up to 13 years. But the thing is, this species don't really like people. They're antisocial. They don't really like to be seen. So it's kind of hard to gauge how long they live in the wild. Um, Being that they're so hard to see and to study, it's kind of hard to study these things. So, But in, in captivity, they are known to live up to 13 years. They live in Africa. They used to be all over Botswana. But because of changes in habitats and changes i guess in food supply you rarely find them in botswana now so you'll usually see them in arid lands um sandy grassy habitats things with not a lot of um scrub and maybe tree covers they stay in dens so places where they can find dens to stay um savannah areas long grass anywhere in africa that they have a high rodent count because they eat rodents so anything where they can find a good food supply you'll find them there um, so they have high rodent counts, high bird counts, bird densities. Follow the prey, pretty much. You follow the prey, you're going to find your animal. Also, they are nocturnal, uh, but during the day, they do stand and stay in abandoned burrow dugs, or sometimes they take over termite mounds. They hunt, they hunt in wide ranges. They have a big territory for hunting. So get this. For males, they can travel up to 8.5 miles as far as their territory for hunting and living. And then for females, it's four, around four square miles. But a lot of times, because the female's hunting ground is so much smaller than the male's, a lot of the male's hunting ground will overlap about three to four females. So that's possible. Um, They are, like I said, they used to be in Botswana, but you don't really find them in Botswana anymore. But you can find them in Nambia. Zimbabwe and Angola or sometimes in the Kalahari deserts so yeah that's a little bit about where they are um where you can find this say they're nocturnal but we'll go more over into their social patterns and behaviors later in the episode but let's go into reproduction because I know some y'all like to know but how do they mate if they don't come out their dens like how do they find their woman or their man so Females reach their sexual maturity around 8 to 12 months. They're ready to have babies and reproduce into the world around that time. They are they have a slim window of a day or two where they are actually in the process um, or in a period of their life where they can reproduce. They're an estrus. Um, I'm trying to say the easiest way I can say, but they're an estrus. So they have a day or two where they're an estrus. And during this time, during that day or two, this is a time where if men don't, their men don't come around and do what they need to do during that time, a baby or kitten is not happening. During that time through the day or two, they only have a few hours where the reproduction will actually work. If everything is successful and they get in during those few hours, they can have two litters a year. Compared to your domestic cats, it's kind of not that big of a number. Um, Domestic cats can have multiple litters a year. And within those litters, they can have multiple kittens. For these animals, they have only about two litters a year. And on average, they usually only have one to two kittens, sometimes three, within that delivery. It's very rare that they'll have more than three kittens during that time. So it's kind of that's the difference between like this wildcat and your domestic cats, even though it's about the same size, it doesn't work the same. Um so with that, like I said, they have no more than two kittens or two or three kittens max 
and three kittens is kind of pushing it. And along with that, when their kids are born, they keep them in a den, I think for about a month before they change locations. So they stay in the burrow. They have them in the burrows and they stay in the burrows for about a month before they like, okay, now you're, you're old enough where you can move out. And so the, it takes about 63 to 68 days before 63 to 68 days before those kittens can be born. So the mother would carry them for about 63 to 68 days. And when they come out, they're only two to three ounces. They're really itty bitty and they're blind and they're totally dependent on their mother. This is kind of similar to your domestic house cats. So I find that interesting, but they're, they're small when they come out. I mean, in general, they're already small cats as adults. So they're not going to be that big when they come out. But unlike your domestic cats, your black-footed kittens, when they come out, they develop very quickly. They will start walking around two weeks. And around two weeks, um, around about a month, they'll start eating solid food. And then they wean off from their moms where they don't have to get their milk anymore around about two months of age. Around four to five months, they are independent. They can flee the home, whatever they want to do, and go off. They usually stay maybe a few months after that, but they are ready to be independent at that time. So if they have to, if mama say, you got to go, rent is due, whatever the case may be, they can leave. Now, that is all about your reproduction. We've talked about the habitat. We're going to go right into the social system um, with their behavior and communication. Just like other cats, they purr, they roar, they, you know, do their usual thing. That's not uncommon for them. The issue about this species, like I said, since they don't come out that much and they're hard to find or hard to see, little is known about them. Like, they're very interesting, but not a lot of information is out there other than the ones caught in captivity and what people have captured a little bit in the wild. So, they are solitary. They stay alone. They do not like people. The minute another animal comes around that they're not trying to eat or a person comes around or even another black-footed cat they will run they they have nothing to do with you they are extreme introverts if i could describe it in a way for humans extreme introverts they want to go home they want to be by themselves. they eat go home that's it now they do come together for breeding of course they have to come together for that and like i said before they're rarely seen they stay in their dens when they do make their calls their calls are extremely loud and part of that might be because they have such a big territory it needs to be heard for such a small cat. They do have extremely loud, um, calls. Now, when they're closer together with other cats, um, whether that be for mating or warnings or whatever the case may be, their calls are a little lower. They don't have to be heard. Uh, so yeah, they have their purrs. They have their gurgles like your usual cats. You'll hear that. Now, when they are threatened, like, your domestic cats and other cats, they will hiss, they will growl, they'll let you know, back up, this is my space, I don't want to be bothered, I don't want the smoke. <laughs> so, other than that, they're nocturnal, but you'll mostly see them, they're strictly nocturnal, you'll mostly see them at sun, between sunrise and sunset, so right when, before the sunrise and right after the sunset, that's when they'll come out. Now, during the day, uh, daylight hours, they usually rest in densely covered areas, so another reason why you don't see them, they're in their dens, they're where they can't be seen and they like it that way so they sometimes take over the burrows and dens of spring hares porcupines and aardvarks aardvarks are like um, anteaters but unlike anteaters they are diurnal they are awake during the daytime if i didn't flip those around so that's what an aardvark is they will sometimes dig in the sand of the burrow to get the burrow how they want it because they don't like whoever had it before so they take it over and then they adjust it how they need it. 
And then just like cats, dogs, and other animals that we know, they do mark their scent or mark their areas with urine. They spray and the regular uh, everyday house cats do that. Your dogs do that. Well, they don't spray, but they pee on things to mark the area. And so they can spray a dozen times an hour to let you know this is my space. Don't touch it. Don't come near it. This is me. You smell it. You know who it is. Okay. And then they also can scent mark by clawing and rubbing on things. You have seen this with a lot of other everyday domestic animals. It's not uncommon. But another thing they'll do sometimes is poop where others can see it. Because if you know that poop, you know that's mine. I'm not going to touch it. It's their way of saying this is my territory. Now, when they do come out and hunt, they have a high kill rate. These cats do not come to play games. They eat small mammals, birds, rodent, insects, arachnids, which are spiders, and reptiles. They, in captivity, they are given commercial feline diets because and mice and other rodents, but not everything they would get in the wild, of course, because when they're in captivity, they're being kept in a closed environment so they more more information also needs to be known about their nutritional uh, requirements for captive species but there's not a whole lot of them in captivity right now as of now they can run by or they hunt by stalking running and pouncing sometimes they wait out a rodent wait outside of rodent holes and they'll close their eyes like they're asleep but they're not asleep they're just waiting they'll hide in the bushes and then jump out when they need to they have high energy requirements, um, more than other African cats. So they kill, they may eat and kill up to 14 small prey in a night. That's a lot when they're only two to four pounds and they're eating 14 of them. That's a lot for this animal. And they like to stalk and sneak up on them like other cats and stay in the cover, do their little move like, oh, I see you. And right when it's time, they come out and they snatch. As far as threats. You're probably in your head. There's such a small cat. Like it should have a lot of threats. In all honesty, there's not a lot known about their threats in the wild. Other than, of course, habitat change, deforestation. That affects their prey. When they don't have as much food, they have to move to another area. Another thing that is an accidental threat is a lot of farmers and other people will set out poison baits and traps for bigger wildcats and jackals and stuff that might eat livestock or bother them. And the black-footed cat will accidentally eat the poison bait, but it wasn't intentionally for them. But they're scavengers, or they scavenge and they eat a lot of stuff. So it's not on purpose, but it is a threat. Same thing with people that are trying to poison locusts. They eat locusts, so people try to poison locusts. The black-footed cat eats the locusts, and now you have a dead black-footed cat. Unfortunately, that's just how that goes. Outside of the accidental threats, they do have threats from jackals and caracals. And, of course, habitat deterioration. A little bit of human threat from captivity, but it's not too many. As of now, there's not too many cats being caught. Um, They are listed as vulnerable. So they're potentially could be affected in the future as far as their conservation status. But like I said, they're, they're pretty swift cats that are not really, a lot is not known about them. And maybe that's a good thing. It might be a good thing because that means less of them go into captivity, less people try to sell them in the pet trade. I believe in, um, as far as they can find, there's only 21 of these cats worldwide in cages and those 21 are in the U.S., 
Now, these numbers might be a little skewed. Of course, people that's catching them is not reporting like, hey, yeah, by the way, I took a black cat out of the wild. We're not, they're not being reported, but that's the information that's out there. Also, hunting of them is banned in Botswana and South Africa, which may, may be the reason why there's not that many of them captive. And then when they're less, one of the lesser studied wildcats in Africa, because they're small, because they're nocturnal, because they're hidden most of the time, might be part of it, or people might just not know a lot about them. But we're at the best part of the episode. These fun facts. You're going to get these fun facts. Let's start off by saying when a black cat is cornered, they can be scary. Don't do it. Don't put them in a the corner because they're less, they're limited on their choices. Sometimes they are called the Mears Hooptier, which translates into anthill tigers. Um, not exactly sure what that means, but it sounds like they get more fierce if they don't feel like they have a way to run out. Now, even though they're such great hunters, they're terrible climbers. They're short, stout body. They're like itty bitty. They're not good climbers. Like ergonomically, their body's not meant to climb trees I, I guess and maybe they're just not interested maybe they they do enough work on the ground that they don't need to climb trees now they're also known as vampire cats because they they're they get their water supply from their prey from their prey so when they eat they get the water they need from eating the prey and it's not as common that you'll see them drinking water now if their prey if they're not getting the amount that they need from their prey they might go drink some water, but that's not their first resort. They rather just suck the blood, eat the blood, eat the food, and or eat the prey, and boom, we're, we're hydrated. We're looking good. I've been saying over and over and over and over that they are one of the deadliest cats. This is because they have a 60% kill success rate. Out of all the times they go and go hunting and get their prey, 60% of the time, they're going to get their food. Compared to a lot of other cats, I think this was, don't quote me, I think it was three times higher than a tiger or three times higher than a lion. I think it was a tiger. Either way, they are higher than, I think they're like the top, actually, for the success rate. They don't miss. It's very rare they miss. And I don't know if it's because they're speed. I don't know if it's because they're so small or because they're stealthy or because they're great at hiding. But... Nonetheless, that is all I have for you today. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in every Friday, listening to my episodes. Tell a friend to tell a friend that if they want to learn about animals, come here to the Wildlife Wonders podcast because you're going to learn what you need to learn. And you're going to learn about some cool animals that you don't learn about every day. Yes, we'll talk about tigers and lions and different frogs and snakes. But where else are you going to learn about cassowaries and the black-footed cat like you have to come here tune in every friday every friday is what as long as i'm saying every friday unless i tell you otherwise for a new episode we will be moving back down the list um and going back through the classes again so we started back over at mammals if you are not already following my instagram page for the podcast it is wildlife wonders with an s podcast all one word, all over place. Follow there. You'll find all the updated information. You can reach out to me if you have any questions, if you want to give a suggestion for an animal, if you want to say something you learn, or you just want to be nice and say hello. 
follow on there. Message me on there. I will put up more information about the animals we talk about. I will put out pictures and videos of the animals we talk about. And that's all. Thanks, everybody. Bye.